You're listening to a Soulfire Productions podcast. Welcome to Wellness Realness, where we get very real about all things health and wellness, physical, mental, financial, and spiritual. I'm your host, Christina Rice, a nutritional therapy practitioner and energy healer turned holistic business coach for ambitious entrepreneurs. And I'm here to help you up-level every aspect of your life. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You can find an endless amount of content from me and join my online membership at christinaricewellness.com. And if you want exclusive behind-the-scenes content and my most unfiltered self, DM a screenshot of your iTunes rating and review to Wellness Realness Crew on Instagram and request to follow my super secret account. You can also join the Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe Facebook group to hang out with other listeners in the crew. Get ready for some wellness realness. I have an incredible guest on the show today. Today, I'm chatting with Jennifer Longmore, who is a global authority on soul purpose, conscious business, and the energy of money. She trains thousands of conscious entrepreneurs. She is the acclaimed host of the Seven Figure Club podcast. She is a best-selling author, and she is an authority on the Akashic Records, which I'm so excited to dive into in today's conversation. So this is a really interesting conversation. We talk about soul purpose. We discuss business. We talk about the energetics of business, Jennifer's experience with the Akashic Records and how she got started working with the Akashic Records and her spiritual journey. And we also discuss the current health situation that's affecting everyone and more of an energetic spiritual perspective to that. So very interesting conversation today. Jennifer is incredible. I love that she blends business with energetics and spirituality, consciousness, soul purpose, speaking my language. So she's definitely somebody you will want to connect further with. And you can find more from her on Instagram at Jennifer Longmore. You can also find her on her website, souljourneys.ca. She has a ton of incredible programs and resources on that website. And also you can listen to her on the seven figure club podcast. I also want to remind you that I'm still running the May giveaway, May 2020 giveaway with blue blocks. Blue blocks is my favorite company for blue light blocking glasses. And everyone should have a pair of these just to protect our eyes from all of the blue light emitted in the evening. This is a game changer for optimizing your circadian rhythm and improving your sleep and your hormones overall. One lucky winner this month is going to receive a pair of blue blocks of their choice, and it's pretty simple to enter. First, you should be following three accounts. One, Blue Blocks Official, that's B-L-U-B-L-O-X-O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L, and then also be following Wellness Realness Podcast and Christina Rice Wellness on Instagram. If you are following all those accounts, then all you have to do is send a screenshot of your iTunes rating and review to podcast at christinaricewellness.com and or you can send a screenshot of a social media share. So you can go on Instagram and take a screenshot of this episode or any of the episodes from this month and tag Blue Blocks Official, tag Christina Rice Wellness and tag Wellness Realness Podcast. When you post that to your Instagram stories or your feed, just take a screenshot and email that in to podcast at christinaricewellness.com. 
And again, that giveaway will be running through the end of May 2020. So you still have time and I wish you the best of luck. For now, enjoy this conversation with Jennifer Longmore. Recently, I've been doing a lot of research on circadian biology and all the different ways that light exposure affects our sleep, our hormones, our weight, our inflammation levels, so many things. And one of the easiest light hacks in the world that I recommend everybody take advantage of is just wearing blue light blocking glasses. This is also critical for getting the highest quality sleep possible. When it comes to sleep, it's not just about how much you get. It's actually the quality of the sleep that is most important. And with so many of us on our screens all the time, it is highly, highly important that we are doing something to prevent digital eye strain and make sure the light from our laptops and our phones aren't completely destroying our circadian rhythms, our sleep, and our hormonal secretion. I've tried a lot of blue light blocking glasses in the last few years, but by far the best and the only brand that is 100% backed by science is Blue Blocks. They have three lenses, their Sleep Plus, their Summer Glow, and their blue light lenses. The Sleep Plus red lens is a lens you would want to put on after sunset, which is going to help improve your sleep, reduce your anxiety, and relax you. These are the classic blue light blocking glasses that you think of with the red lenses, but the red lens is incredibly important. Those orange lenses are only blocking out a portion of the blue and green spectrum that we need to block to optimize our circadian rhythm. And then during the day, you would want either the blue light clear lens or the summer glow yellow lens. The blue light clear lens is best for people who work in more natural lighting during the day. And the summer glow yellow lens is best for people who work under harsher artificial lighting and or anyone who wants the extra benefits of color therapy. So if you struggle with seasonal depression or anxiety, the summer glow yellow lenses would be great, but both will help with preventing digital eye strain and preventing any migraines or headaches from being on screens all day. And if you really want to up your sleep game, make sure you get the Remedy Sleep Mask. This is a 100% light blocking sleep mask that really helps with REM and deep sleep. This is a game changer for me because you probably don't realize how much light can creep in even when you think all of the lights are off and your blinds are closed. Blue Blocks also has a ton of different frames to pick from, about 20 different frames, and they have a send in your own frame service if you want to use your own frames. You can also make use of their prescription service if you need a prescription. Personally, my favorite frame is the Parker frame. I get complimented all the time on my Blue Blocks glasses and people always ask me what brand they are. I always am wearing Blue Blocks. If you're seeing me wear glasses in my Instagram stories, they're always Blue Blocks. I also love that for every pair of blue blocks they sell, they donate a pair of reading glasses to Restoring Vision who gifts them to someone in need. So it's a great cause as well. So if you want to improve your sleep, balance out your hormones, regulate your weight all just by wearing glasses and prevent all of those headaches and that digital eye strain from looking at screens all day, make sure you go to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and use my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S for 15% off. Again, that's blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com, and use my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S, for 15% off. And when you get your pair of frames in the mail, take a selfie, tag me, tag blueblocks, and I'm excited to see which frames you pick. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've been so excited to chat with you today. And to start off, I would love if you just told my listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do. (laughs) <laughs> That's a big question, but <laughs> hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. 
I've been looking forward to this too. I think this has been on my calendar for a good two months or so, maybe even longer than that, right? So feels like it can come quick enough. And I think especially now with what's going on, people can use some, you know, time away to have different perspectives. But um, yeah, I, I run a healing company. I've been running a spiritual training company for entrepreneurs for 16 years. So I started off as a healy feely, just thinking I was going to do readings and Reiki treatments, and that would be my life, right? And um, then all of a sudden, I was guided to create a certification program because my clients kept bugging me. And then all of a sudden, I was asked if I could start coaching people on how to create healy feely businesses. And then I was guided to teach people on how to deal with the energy of money because holy cow, do entrepreneurs ever leave a lot of money on the table, right? We're so good at upper limiting. And so what I thought was just going to be this nice way to get paid for my time. Like I literally just saw myself as someone that was going to, you know, just hold space for people. That was always my vision to be a social worker. That's what I trained to do. And uh, here I am now running this big company, right. And having all kinds of team members and people that I work with all over the world. It's pretty wild to look back on that journey. Right. So um, I started very young and I grew up in a household that was very woo. I went for my first past life regression when I was four because my parents wanted to know, you know, why they came together as a couple because they met when they were 18 and they got married 16 or six months later and they've been together ever since, right? They just were wow. instant soulmates. So then when I came on the scene, they're like, well, we need to figure out why the three of us came together, what, <laughs> what we've already done together that we don't need to repeat and what we still need to master with each other and, and any unfinished business and wounds and stuff like that. So just having that awareness, though, isn't enough to make everything better, right? Like it's definitely been an interesting ride with my parents, as I'm sure most people can relate to. And that's a huge chunk of, I think, why most of us get into some sort of health and wellness sort of capacity, right? Because we have some stuff that we're, we're trying to resolve. But I never, I really never thought I would be here. I trained as a forensic social worker. I worked in forensics for years. I was on co in court all the time, writing affidavits all the time, doing expert testimony all the time. So to transition into this was already a big deal. And now I look back and I think, holy cow, 16 years, like where did that time go? It's so crazy. Yeah. I have so many questions for you. I, I love <laughs> that you blend business with spirituality because I think it's so needed and I think that's the missing link for a lot of people but I want to go back because I think your your history like the way you grew up is so interesting and you know with your parents like how how did it affect you growing up with spiritually aware interested parents like was did you, growing up was that something that you liked or did you ever resent that or how did that affect you that's a great question I think for all of us well, I don't want to speak for all of us, but I think most of us feel like our childhood is just what we know. We don't know, especially at a very young age, we don't know that people are having completely different experiences under completely different roofs. We just assume everyone is having relatively the same life experience. So it wasn't until I went out in the world and realized I was freaking people out. Now I'm very sensitive. I don't like hurting people's feelings. And I would see these looks on people's faces like, what did you just say to me? Because I was freaking them out because I knew things that I shouldn't know, but I didn't know that I knew things that they didn't know, right? So I started censoring myself because I didn't know who I should be or what I should say so that I wasn't, I just thought I was hurting people. Just my mere presence was a burden to other people, right? Think about that. And I think we all can relate to that in some capacity, right? 
my parents were very awake. My grandfather uh, solved crimes with the police as a psychic medium. They used to send me the most profound spiritual books that even to this day, if you read them, they would make you cross-eyed. They were that deep and like just channeled deep stuff. And I was reading those at like seven years old, right? And so, yeah, I had all this spiritual wisdom around me and I could be who I was in my family in some ways, but they were also human. And my dad was a massive rageaholic. And my mom, I guess you could say she was a rageaholic. She loved to scream. She, I think she would test herself and go, how much louder can I scream today than I did yesterday, right? So as a sensitive kid, I really tried to stay away from my parents. And I really tried to stay in my room as much as possible. Something like a, a quarantine, super easy for me. I'm very, very talented <laughs> at being able to stay in my room for long periods of time, right? And entertain myself. And I love them. Don't get me wrong. I, I feel that we all choose the parents that are supposed to. Uh, uh, most parents give us the things we need. They just don't give it to us in a way that serves us. So for example, I have a client who was left on a church doorstep as a baby, brand new baby. So what does she internalize from that? I'm not wanted. I'm a burden. Nobody cares about me. Nobody wants me. Then she gets adopted and her mom keeps telling her that she's needy and she's a pain in the butt. So now we fast forward to now and she's very successful. She does branding for Madonna, Nike, like she's a top-notch branding expert. I'm not just saying that because she's my client. She makes a lot of money, but she never markets. Why does she not market? Because she believes that if she markets, it means that she's needy and she has a massive visceral reaction to people implying that she's needy or people thinking she's needy. So she avoids marketing. And then she really avoids emailing and making actual calls to action for sales because she believes that she's a burden, right? She doesn't want to bother people. So that considering that all of that's present, she still makes a lot of money. What would happen and how many more lives would she touch if that belief was completely healed, right? But she picked the perfect parents to give her the very thing she needed to spend a lifetime overcoming. Mm. My mom, to give you another example, I was a latchkey kid. <laughs> Most people in my generation were. And, um, and so I loved, like, I, I loved having the house to myself until about five o'clock. It was heaven. And as soon as I would hear that door, I'd just go, ugh, like my whole body would contract. And I'd be like, here we go. Is as soon as she'd come in the door from five o'clock until nine o'clock, Jenny, 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 get me this. Jenny, come here. I'd go upstairs to get something. Jenny, come down here. Jenny, you know, for hours, nonstop calling my name. So fast forward to having a business. I would, uh, in the beginning of my business, I was completely referral-based. People would have a reading with me. They'd be like, oh my God, that was the best reading ever. And then they would tell all their friends. And then literally I'd get 20, 30 emails, no joke. All these people wanting an email or a reading yesterday. And now one of those emails, not a big deal. Five of those emails, not a big deal. But what do you think 30 of those emails did, right? Unconsciously, it reminded me of my mom. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, everyone wants a piece of me. Oh my God, make it stop, right? Just give me some space. Now, did it occur to me to hire someone? No. <laughs> did it occur to me to have like some sort of system, right, to deal with that? No. Because I felt the pressure of responding to people immediately, that's what I did. And so it affected my business because I would either turn that business away or I would just give them some snark snarky response, which I'm certainly not proud of, right? But that I was doing what I knew how to do at that time. Or I would, I would just make them wait, right? And that and feel badly about that. So it wasn't that 
any one of these people was my mom, but collectively that was pressing the wound of what do people want from me now, right? And so these are the kind of examples of what hold us back in business because I guarantee each of us, wherever our upper limit is, I guarantee we can point the finger at some caregiver or some teacher or sibling or like someone significant in our life, right? That, that left a wound that we don't even know is there, but is absolutely holding us back. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I just, some of my clients, like I was just having this conversation with them and I'm like trying to ask them about their relationship with their parents and what that was like growing up. And everyone's like, I don't get it. Well, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, no, 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 this is the key. And what you just explained, like in your own life is exactly what I have been working through too, because it's the same thing. It's, it feels like my mom, like Christina, I need you. I need you to do this. And it's like, then I just crumble and explode when I feel like so many people are reaching out to me. Right. And so Mm -hmm. it's crazy how much you can trace back to like your child and how you were parented and then how that translates into how you parent yourself because that's what was modeled to you. Mm -hmm. So as you were growing up and you were open and intuitive, did they, were you saying things to them that you shouldn't have known or was that more of just outside people? Oh yeah. No, I was, I, I would freak them out, but not in a bad way. They could handle it. And my grandfather definitely liked to treat me like a little toy, right? He was constantly testing me and I knew he was testing me. So then I'd get annoyed with him. I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm not a performance monkey, basically. I wouldn't say Mm -hmm. those exact words, but I was like, stop it. Like, you know, I'm intuitive. Why are you, you know, treating me like a puppy that you're treating (laughs) you like training with new tricks, right? Stop it. Um, I remember going to one of these places where my parents would go to this group where they would like channel your past lives and stuff, similar to Abraham Hicks. It was a similar type of group, right? Where the person would completely trance and, uh, and all these adults would swim up to me in the pool. Cause I'd sit on the edge of the pool waiting for my parents to have their session and they'd come up and they'd be like, hi, little girl, why don't you tell us who God is? You know, they'd be so, they would just think I was, and I'd be like, well, and I would, I didn't know I was doing it, but other adults would see me channeling to them, right? And like answering these questions in this big, profound way. So, um, yeah, I, it, I was an only child. My mom wanted to have more kids and she couldn't, she lost her period when she was 21, which is when she had me. And um, so she couldn't have any more kids. So I was an only child, which people think, oh, that must've been great. no was not great. You want to know why it wasn't great? Because <laughs> you get all of your dad's unmet needs projected onto you, all of your mom's unmet needs projected on, onto you, all of your unborn siblings' um, perceived destinies projected onto you. And then I got dragged to every adult event possible. So I already felt like an old soul. Then I spent all of my time around adults. So it was hard for me to, to play with kids my own age because they were annoying to me, right? Like I was used to sophisticated, emotionally mature conversations, right? So when I was, uh, I always hung around older kids. And definitely when I left high school, all my friends were easily 20 years older than me, if not more. Now my friend circle is, you know, kind of more neutralized because more I've found people that are like me and speak my language. But um, yeah, they, you know, they encouraged it, but they still, you know, like I said, they still were human and they had their own stuff and they were super stressed all the time about money and they had their own projections that, that mm-hmm. were projected onto them around money. And then, you know, they were working class families, so they, they were highly triggered all the time. My mom is very intuitive. My dad is too, just differently, but my mom is very intuitive and she does a lot of intuitive art. And so she's very connected, right? But she still had a lot of uh, you know, human stuff. So it's been interesting now that we're both 
very adult women to have a relationship, right? Because of course, I still get triggered at times, even though I'd like to think that I've worked through most of my stuff. But Mm -hmm. I think we all know you only only have to spend like a weekend with your parents before you're like, oh yeah, I still have some work to do, right? (laughs) So anyways, all of that to say that I I adore them. And and they were actually down in the US uh, because I live in Canada. They were down in the US for, you know, when all of this stuff went down. Mm-hmm. And I was very concerned for them, actually, not because they were in the U.S. and the U.S. was dirtier than Canada. It was just that I knew if they got trapped down there, there'd be no coming back for months, right? And that's not a fun place. It's not a fun place to be out of country and have to get medical care, especially when we live in a country where things are paid for and you guys have to pay for your own health care and stuff, right? So that was more of my concern. And on top of that, they're boomers and they, you know, they were still going out even though they were told I was like, oh yeah, we're still going to go over to so-and-so's house for cocktails. And we're still, I'm like, oh my God. Oh man. Yeah. (laughs) Even if you don't believe the virus is going to get you, even if you don't believe the virus even exists, right? I realize there's those people just for the simple fact that the rest of us want to get back to life. Can we all just like stay at home and (laughs) like just play the game, right? (laughs) But anyways, yeah, no, it was, it was great. And like I said, you know, I, my grandparents, my dad's parents were foster parents. And so I grew up caring a lot about kids that had a really crappy life. So it's no accident that I ended up doing investigations uh, for children that were being significantly mistreated and being their advocate and learning how to properly interview them and get a statement from them on video so they didn't have to be re-traumatized by a really shady, shady um, defense lawyer on the stand mm-hmm. and, and how to uh, interview perpetrators in such a way that I could catch them in their own lies to the point that they didn't end up going to trial because they just made themselves look so ridiculous that deals would be made. My goal was always to try and keep everything out of court for mm-hmm. the benefit of the children, right? So it's kind of not surprising that I ended up that way. You don't really realize that right in your life until you look back and you see that certain seeds are planted. Yeah. So, and then all of that work prepared me for what I do now, because even though I do intuitive guidance and I do business coaching, like we were just talking about, I essentially help people clear the trauma that keep them from feeling like a really empowered, embodied CEO of their company. Mm -hmm. And inevitably, as you well know, I don't talk a lot about business with people. I mean, I do but I can only give people so much strategy and then I have to figure out why you're not implementing the strategy. People use their bodies big time. So many women, I'm, I won't go on video until I lose 10 pounds. I don't want to get speaking gigs until I lose 10 pounds. You know, I don't want to partner until this, I, you know, like all the things either are tied into money or they're tied into weight. Mm-hmm. And it's not even about that. We have to figure out what's actually going on underneath that and clear it permanently because otherwise they just find new ways to deflect and distract because they're really just trying to protect their wounds from being opened again and and having someone basically pour peroxide on them. I am so picky about the food, products, and supplements I use because I want to make sure I am putting the best quality out there in my body. And that's why I am so excited to tell you about today's podcast sponsor, Wild Foods. Wild Foods is a food company that puts quality, sustainability, and health first in all of their products. They have everything from coffee to tea to fish oil to turmeric to salt, and they source ingredients from small farms around the world. I use so many products from Wild Foods. I've been using these for years, and this is where I get a lot of my pantry staples like wild Himalayan pink salt, wild kosher flake sea salt, cocoa powder, turmeric powder, 
and cocoa butter, which can be hard to find, as well as their vanilla bean powder. I get their MCT oil. It's also delicious. They also have individual wild shrooms like reishi, chaga, turkey tail, and lion's mane mushroom. Turkey tail is awesome for digestion if you haven't tried that out yet. And I love their beverages, everything from their matcha to their wild teas. I have been drinking their Kerr Bear Very Berry Blend tea iced recently almost every day. It is incredible. So if you want delicious food that is of the highest quality because you deserve it, then you're in luck because I've got you a discount code for 12% off. So if you want to check out products at Wild Foods, just head on over to wildfoods.co, that's .co, not .com, and enter the code CRW at checkout for 12% off your order. It gets you 12% and it lets the Wild Foods team know you're listening and that you want to support the show. Again, that's wildfoods.co, W-I-L-D-F-O-O-D-S dot C-O, and use that code CRW for 12% off. And don't forget when you get your order in the mail, snap a photo, post it on Instagram and tag me so I can see what you got. Let's say you had to pick one or the other, either going the full like intuitive route with business or like ultimate perfect marketing sales strategy. What do you think is more valuable? Oh, that is a great question. There's a merit to both of them. I think that a lot of people wonder why their marketing systems don't work. And I do think it starts with the fact that our business has consciousness. Mm. And if we're not tuned into what the consciousness of the business wants, and then how does, because most of us get into business from a purposeful way, we have a purpose we want to express. So it's literally a vehicle for expressing our purpose. So if we're, if we're not feeling aligned to the purpose of our life, and we're not feeling aligned to the purpose and consciousness of the business, I've seen it time and again, and I've seen it in my business too, when I go against my intuition and I try marketing tactics mm-hmm. that don't work. It ends up being a very costly business mistake, right? Or business lesson, I should say, right? I think in business, we either pay a coach to learn valuable guidance or we pay for really expensive business lessons, right? But we're usually paying someone or something to grow in the way that we're meant to grow, right? We always call those experiences to us. So years ago, I put down my foot uh, with myself and I'm like, I am no longer paying for expensive business lessons. I'd Mm -hmm. much rather pay a coach and circulate money through someone else rather than, you know, pour money down the drain, essentially, to learn to ask better questions, because that's really what it boils down to, right? Did I ask yeah. the questions I really should have been asking? I mean, I, I totally agree. And it's like, how many times, this happens to me all the time, every time I follow logic, it doesn't work out. And I, every time I follow yeah. my intuition, it works out. And it's like still growing a lesson, you know? But so my question is, how do you, how do you receive information? Hmm. I work in the Akashic Records. So mm-hmm. for people listening that don't know what that is, I think most people do, but sometimes people don't. So I don't want to talk as though people know. Um, it's basically the blueprint for your soul. So each of us has it and it has everything in there between what's our purpose? What are we here to learn? What are we here to master? What are we here to contribute? Why did we choose the parents we did? Why did we choose the body that we did? Why did we choose the color of skin that we have? How do all of these things, and I could go on and on, right? Shape shape the conditions in such a way that if we just surrender, we'll, we'll absolutely attract everything to us that we need to live into our fullest potential of what we came here to live. So the Akashic records exist in the same vibrational plane as theta brainwaves and theta brainwaves are our subconscious, right? And so our subconscious is such a stubborn little bugger 
that it always wants to prove itself right. And so it's our job to constantly check in on our subconscious and make sure that it's holding the beliefs that we actually want to have, knowing that the majority of our day is lived unconsciously, even though for those of us that are spiritually woke, want to be telling everyone that we're always conscious co-creators. No, even still, most times we're unconsciously creating, right? So if we know that we're just wired to unconsciously create, then let's tend to that garden and make sure that it's clearing out the stories we don't want to be proving right. And it's holding the stories that we do want to be proving right. And so even though the Akashic Records is a deep spiritual tool, it's like a homecoming. People feel a deep connection with their soul. Um, just being in the vibration of your records, you can feel it. You literally feel the essence of your soul. If any, like, especially right now, so many people are being guided to learn it because you feel like, oh, there I am. There I am. Oh, thank God, right? The second piece of that is that it's only love and truth. It's only sharing things from a place of love and it's only going to tell you the truth. So in an environment where we have so many illusions that we're needing to shatter, especially now, but this is of course all the time, right? Illusions about our worth, illusions about um, how lovable we are, illusions about you know how much money we're allowed to have. I could go on and on, right? Or, or how hard it is to be healthy, whatever the thing is. It shatters all of those illusions and just shows us the truth of who we are and shows us the truth of what we can create. And then it also helps us heal energy. So sometimes people come into this world, um, like especially money, most of us have vows of poverty from other lifetimes. Well, how would you know that, right? You've done all the right things. You've taken 10 million money mindset courses. You've done healing. You've done whatever you need. Say your mantras. You do all the little things they say about putting, you know, citrine in your wallet, whatever people are telling you to do, and it's still not clearing. Well, there's probably some past life components to that. And there's probably some healing that needs to happen in order to open up those floodgates, right? So that there's finally a shift. This is super annoying for people, right? And, and I can say that for myself too, when you keep working on an issue and it doesn't seem to be shifting, our choice is to beat ourselves up and go down a shame spiral and say, oh, see, you're not meant for this or see, you're not worthy enough or see, you suck or see, you're too stupid or whatever we're saying to ourselves, right? Or we can go, okay, well, is there another way to look at this? Or is there another possibility that I haven't invited in yet? So um, yeah, the records are really cool. And so that takes us to a plane of consciousness that's coming from the ultimate source of creation, right? I, I think we can equally just connect in with the, with the source of creation. But with the records, it stores information. So it stores our past, it stores you know, like I said, our blueprint for this lifetime. So it's important to go into that place in order to uncover the things that have been a mystery, but actually will open a lot of doors for us. And how did you first get into all of that? <laughs> I was doing it as a little kid, but I didn't know. It wouldn't have been what I called it. I had a lot of imaginary friends. Uh, thank God I had the parents I did because otherwise people would have thought I was crazy. I had a really profound dream. I was working, I, when I left forensics, I went to work in corporate and I was working with one of my really close friends. We went out for lunch and uh, I was so tired and I was apologizing. Like, I'm sorry, I'm so tired. She's like, you look tired. What's going on? I'm like, I have not slept for two weeks. And she said, well, why is that? I said, I have this recurring dream, which I'd forgotten about because I only knew I was having it in the moment, right? I for would forget about it during the day. She's like, well, what's the dream? And I said, well, I keep being shown this really beautiful text with gold on the tips of all the pages and some sort of ancient writing in it, but the pages are flipping so fast. I can't read from it, but I'm 
keep being shown that I need to know what this book is. And I need to be able to read from it because it's, it's important. And she's like, well, Jen, like, you know how to talk to your guides. Why aren't you just telling your guides to tell you what's going on in your dream? And I'm like, oh my God, I laughed so hard when I heard that because it was so obvious, right? So that night I went to bed and I said, okay, guys, like, I really want to sleep. I haven't been sleeping. I know you have something to tell me. So please stop beating around the bush. I need you to communicate this differently to me. So please let me know exactly what you want to tell me. Make it so clear for me to understand and make sure I remember it when I wake up. So at about two in the morning, three in the morning, I was woken up and I heard, these are the Akashic records. You must learn them so you can teach them. And instead of being excited by that news, I was like, thank God, now I can go back to sleep. Right? <laughs> so I woke up that morning still remembering because it was so profound, right? And, um, and it was a deep voice. It was, it was a male voice. And uh, so that morning I just opened up to it. And incidentally, one of my friends who I didn't even know had told this. So that she owned a crystal store. This guy called the crystal store and said, who do you know that knows the Akashic Records? It was that morning he called in. And she said, well, you should call my friend Jennifer. I didn't know she gave up my phone number. All of a sudden, I get a phone call like two or three hours after I wake up saying, hi, I heard that you do Akashic Record readings. And I was like, what is happening right now? This is way too bizarre because her and I had not talked about that right mm -hmm. but she was very intuitive too so she obviously knew even though she probably you know we talked about it after and she's like I didn't even remember telling that guy right so it was all very divinely orchestrated and then that kind of just snowballed and then you know I put up card I was still hiding back then so I put up cards in health food stores and people would pick up my cards and call me and it truly was word of mouth uh, that I filled up my practice and I had waiting lists and I had people because, you know, once you read someone locally, they have friends and family all over the world. So I created mm -hmm. a global business unintentionally very quickly because I could do everything by phone. I didn't have to do it in person. Yeah. So it was a, a pretty wild ride back then. <laughs> so you knew you had to read them, like learn, learn how to do that. But how did you learn that? Like, were they just telling you or were you like learning from someone yeah. else? Yeah, they just said, you know, they would just constantly say, get out of the way. Mm -hmm. And they would teach me just constantly be in the place of how can I best support this person sitting in front of me right now? What mm -hmm. do they most need to hear? What will be of highest service to them? I would get information about people and they would show me things because they kind of had to show me the whole picture, but they'd say, you're only allowed to tell this person this piece because the other piece will traumatize them or they're not ready to he hear it, or we need to do some more healing on them before they're going to be able to hear this piece give you an example. I had a client who had a really screwed up mom, really bad. It was actually this first client. And he had a really torn relationship with his brother, which I didn't know at the time. But he uh, was pushed down the stairs when he was three. And because he was standing beside his brother, he always thought it was his brother, who was about a year or two older than him and who had an issue with him you know, not being like this brother wasn't the baby anymore. So I didn't know, but he somehow came up. So I said, Oh, I said, why is my head hurting? And then I, and I asked the guys, I'm like, why is my head hurting? And they said, Oh, he's reliving the, tra the head trauma from the fall down the stairs. So I said, did you fall down the stairs? He's like, yeah, when I was like three. And I said, what happened? He said, my mom pushed me down the stairs. I said, no, she didn't. Or he said, my brother pushed me down the stairs. I said, no, he didn't. It was your mother. And you could feel a pit, like, right. You could yeah. feel the, you could hear the pin drop in the room. 
because for decades he'd been holding on to this hatred towards his brother, thinking his brother had tried to kill him. And it wasn't even that someone tried to kill him. It's that his mother was mentally unwell. She had some personality disorders and she Mm -hmm. had some alcohol issues. And she was just fed up with him and pushed him down a very long flight of hardwood stairs and landed on ceramic tile. Right. So I know this sounds like this is a lot to hear, but I'm sharing this for a reason because the guides got mad at me. They're like, you said that because it blurted out of my mouth and they were like, you're, he's not ready to hear it. And he wasn't, he was so resistant to hearing that he was so attached to the story that it was his brother. And of course, how would you ever believe that your mom? Why could mm-hmm. you, it, that's cognitive dis- dissonance, right? You can just not allow your brain to, to take that in. But then once he, he, he like left, he kind of stormed out at the end of his reading. And then he came back to me a week later and he's like, I had all kinds of pieces come together after that. My relationship has completely healed with my brother. I called him and he actually confirmed. I'm getting chills right now, even as I'm talking about it. He confirmed that he always knew all along, but that he couldn't believe him and had some more information revealed about his mom. But he also just started to put together other pieces to be able to see that, yes, in fact, it would be very plausible for his mom to have done that. So uh, as I was sharing, you know, and, and think about this, even like he had a homeopathic business, he was a homeopathic doctor, and he had some real issues with women. He was married four times and he started flirting with me on our first session. He was about 50 at the time. I was like 25, something like that. Right. And, um, he, and it was already gross, right? It's like, Ooh, please don't pay me to be in my company that you're making me feel like a prostitute. Like what's going on here. But, um, he, he was already ready to, he had already been cheating on his fourth wife and he only had female patients, but everything would always end in chaos and turmoil and some sort of strife and lawsuits and stuff because he was a hot freaking mess when it came to women, right? So I eventually had to fire him because he was just, you can imagine, a total pain in the ass to work with. Mm-hmm. But I also know that his business shifted after that and he was able to have more financial flow and not have so much feast or famine because his energy with women started to shift such that he could actually maintain client relationships instead of always looking for a way to blow them up. Wow. Okay. So when you're working with clients, <laughs> I, I'm just like, okay, holy shit. So when you're working with clients, do you, mm-hmm. do you focus more on like you're reading their records and helping them that way? Or are you teaching them yeah. to grow their intuition or doing more of the healing? Like, or is it all of it? It's kind of both. So the funny thing about the Akashic record is it acts almost like an infinity symbol, right? So people either find me because they want to learn the Akashic records and then they have a relationship with me. They're like, Jennifer's my spiritual teacher. I trust her and I resonate with her. And I do have this business. If I'm going to hire a coach anyways, I'd love to do it with someone that I feel, you know, sees Mm -hmm. me as a person and has my back. And then other people will come in through the business coaching door And then they realize, oh, this is actually an amazing tool. I want to be able to share this with my clients. So then they want to step into that particular offer. Now, I had just done a Facebook Live literally before we hopped on this podcast to talk about financial resilience because that's really what people should be focusing on right now. Now, I tripped into all of this. I tripped into a very lucrative certification process. It was never, as I shared, was never my plan. My clients were getting angry at me. How come you're not teaching me how to do this? Mm -hmm. So I created this system and now years later, it's been a multi seven figure training system 
completely unintentionally and nowhere near as leveraged as it could be. And so to answer your question, I, um, I have people come in from, from each side, right? So I do access people's records when I do business coaching, but I also know how to coach people based on my background, right? I just know mm-hmm. how to am- ask good questions, right? That's mm-hmm. my background. That's my training. So I know when someone it, when someone's question is actually the question or whether there's a question underneath the question, right? Most questions are statements. Mm-hmm. And most times people at most of us don't feel safe enough just asking directly to have our needs met because we bought into the illusion that we're a bother. Yeah. Because we've been punished because we've asked for something, because we've had people promise us things and then retract it. There's so many reasons why we don't ask for things. So most people ask questions through the side door and through the back door. Most people don't just knock on the front door, if you know what I'm saying, right? So part of, um, it, part of what I do is help people, of course, in the course of them coming to me for coaching, I can see where their inner blocks are and I know all the traumas and I know how to help them with these traumas. But then I, I ultimately teach them how to ask themselves better questions because the quality of our life and the quality of our business is 1 million percent attached to the quality of the questions we ask. Mm. Even if you look at what's going on in the re- world right now, people's capacity to see what's going on is going to be dependent upon what they're willing to see. So they're going to ask the questions that allow them to see the narrative that they want to keep holding, Right. So I talk about like in any time in life, I don't care what's going on in the world, you have to question everything. And then you have to question your questions because your questions aren't necessarily good questions. <laughs> and then you still also have to balance that with what is true. I've got skin. I'm breathing. It's such and such a date today. Trees are growing. I'm made of water. You know, the sun's rising and setting today. Like what are the absolutes that we can be grounded in? when there's a certain level of uncertainty in our life at any given time. We're actually masters of uncertainty, by the way, right? Every day we leave, we don't know if we're going to get hit by a bus when we go outside. We don't know if we're going to get carjacked when we're driving our car. And I know this sounds dramatic, but you get what I'm saying, right? We every day take the risk of just trusting that even when we never know what's going to happen, we still put one foot before the other. We actually have way more um, training in mastery of uncertainty than we're giving ourselves credit for. And the way to navigate that is through the quality of questions that we ask ourselves. Today's show is sponsored by an incredible company, BetterHelp. You might have heard of them. I have been using their services for a few months now, and I absolutely love it. BetterHelp makes getting professional counseling accessible to so many people. You get your own licensed professional therapist online. You can start communicating with him or her in as little as 24 hours. This isn't a crisis line or just self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online from the comfort of your home. And it just makes finding a counselor so much easier. It is far more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. So if you are struggling with any aspect of your mental health, maybe you're struggling with some anxiety, too much stress, feeling a little depressed, overwhelmed, confused. There are so many emotions running high right now. You're just trying to figure out what's interfering with your happiness or what's preventing you from achieving your goals. Therapy can be so helpful. And I started seeing my first therapist when I was in college, when I was 18, and I've never gone back. Having professional counseling has gotten me through so many difficult times. And I just love how BetterHelp makes it so 
accessible for people to get help and they assess your needs and match you with the perfect therapist. So you don't have to spend all the time and money trying to find the right person. I know how exhausting that can be. And when you feel like you need help in this area, it is already overwhelming enough. And then finding somebody can feel overwhelming too. And that is why I love BetterHelp. And I can just talk to my therapist whenever I need from my couch and send her a message in between sessions whenever I need to talk to her. So if you are struggling in any way and want extra support, head on over to trybetterhelp.com slash wellnessrealness. That's trybetterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash wellnessrealness and receive 10% off your first month. So that's a special discount for my Wellness Realness listeners at trybetterhelp.com slash wellnessrealness. You'll get that 10% off and I'm excited for you to try it out. So what questions should, be, should people be asking right now? In light of what's going on in the world? Yeah. I always say, you know, years ago, I'm giving this story for a reason. So years ago, here I am, this healy feely, and I'm being guided to invest in, in the stock market. And I don't understand why. It just seems weird. I'm just a healer. Why am I being told to get involved in the stock market? That seems like a very three-dimensional masculine thing to do. Why am I being guided to do that? So, but I wanted to take control of my own money. I didn't want some random financial advisor managing my money anymore who I didn't know. So I hired a female um, advisor who happened to be a mastermind buddy of mine and also a friend. And she had created millions in the stock market. She's very healy-feely too. So she spoke my language, but she also knew how to read the stock market, which I had no clue how to do. And uh, she teach, taught me how to create my own brokerage account so I could be in control. I could have financial sovereignty. I didn't have to rely on anyone else to make my money work for me. And what had happened was I had had such a big spike in my income back then that I didn't know how to be with all this extra money. I was only used to having just enough to get by. I didn't know how to deal with lots of money in the bank. And I also was upper limiting and not bothering to continue to sell because I was like, well, I already have more than I need. Why do this? Well, I had to get clear on why should I allow myself and my business to make more money. And I needed to make a paradigm shift, which was how do I shift out of me being the source of all of the income generation in my business? And how do I make my money go to work for me? Mm. So it was at that time when I was asking that question that she appeared. So all of that to say, that, um, and I forgot about a lot of this until what's going on now, now in the world. She said, you know, there's um, some beings that are not of the purest and highest light that ultimately control the stock market. So you kind of have to outsmart them, but they have a code and they have a code of conduct and they feel that it's more fun to play the game when they give the public signals, right? And most people are not going to know what those signals are, but some people will understand what those subtle little hints are. And if you know how to pay attention to those hints, then you'll be prepared and you'll be financially resilient. But they, they have a code of conduct. It's just one of their rules where they have to give the public fair warning. It's called fair game, basically. And I know this sounds very crazy. This is where cognitive dissonance comes in because we want to believe that everyone's operating in the purest and highest light and they're not. So she said, I need you to invest in physical gold and silver and I need you to invest in gold and silver on the stock market because there will come a day where a banana peel is worth more than a dollar bill. And you need to be prepared for that because when you need to buy food, when there's a shortage of food and there's a kink in the supply chain and there's people manipulating things and, and the world is starting to go to shit, you're going to need to be able to buy 
food for your family and, and medicine and so on for your family. And that makes me feel really yucky to have to say that. And I'm not saying that that's how all of this is going to play out, but um, it's just interesting that that was like 10 years ago that she told Mm -hmm. me that. Right. And even though my gut was, or even though my um, ego was like, that sounds crazy. That's, that's crazy. Some part of me obviously knew I needed to do that. I still honored her guidance, even though to my brain, it made zero sense and actually sounded very kooky. Mm -hmm. So now I have, you know, a nice supply of that uh, locked away in different places so that in the event that I need to use that stuff, we know right now the stock market's gone up. I checked on my gold. My gold is up 150% on the stock market, right? And so all these predictions around gold and silver being the new currency, even years ago, I hosted a a spiritual retreat in Sedona. Actually, that was like 2011. I rented a a mansion for everyone, right? So we could all be under one roof because I didn't want to be in a hotel. Hotels kind of bother me for those kind of events. And we went to this particular vortex that I like. And at that time, they were offering for me to rent it in gold and silver. Wow. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? That was in Arizona. And that was just kind of as the recession was starting to subside, right? And more people were starting to have some breathing room. I think now even some places accept Bitcoin and stuff like that. And I don't invest in that because I think it's shady and I know who's behind that. But all that to say that in any time in life, and, and this example that I just shared is an example of that, where anything that's happening in the world, any time like when President Trump was being impeached and then all of a sudden we're just not talking about it anymore, what was going on? What were we actually being distracted from? right? So I always ask, what's really going on? Who benefits? And what's the agenda, right? Mm. So we want to think that this is an oopsie-doopsie virus. We're smarter than that. We know that there's always been biological warfare. People say, you can't create a virus. Of course you can. There's always been biological warfare, even in, in different military camps, right? It's something that's used between countries. Of course people can create a virus. Um, And so it's not to say the virus doesn't exist. Of course it does. And we do need to be isolating. We do need to be following certain protocols because we really don't understand the virus, right? And we don't understand what's been coded into that virus. But we can't just accept anything at face value. We have to say, okay, why a virus of all the ways we can be impacted the way we are? Who benefits? And what's the real agenda? And what are we being distracted from, right? What, What laws are being passed or what other things are being manipulated behind the scenes? that we can't see. And we won't necessarily get all those answers, but we at least need to open up to, I know there's a lot of theories going on right now, and I'm not saying any of those are true or untrue, but I am saying that we need to question, right? Mm -hmm. What we're being told, understanding who controls the media. We need to question, um, you know, who, who's, who are the main players in this and who are they connected to and how does this all play out? And it doesn't mean that, and, and yes, spiritually in my community, and uh, I'm sure yours as well, right? Like people are spiritual bypassing. Mm-hmm. People are playing the this too shall pass card, right? Just being kind of flippant about it and get over it. Um, but people are experiencing a lot of trauma because when we all realized, holy crap, this is a thing. Like, this is a real thing. We're never going back. We knew. We all knew we're never going back to the way things work. People keep saying they want to. It's impossible. We've A, changed as people. We, were not, we will never look at our life the same way now that we've gone through this. And there's just certain things we're physically not going to be able to return to. Some people won't be able to return to their businesses. Some people won't be able to return to their homes. 
some people won't have family members with them because they lost them to a virus that didn't need to be here, right? People are, are calling for um, Gates to be arrested for crimes against humanity. And people go, oh, Gates is great. Is he? Well, there's like 8 billion people on the planet. How many people this year had people come at them and say they should be charged with crimes against humanity? No one, right? Like, why is one person being targeted, right? And when was the last time you got accused for crimes against humanity? Um, never, because... Where there's smoke, there's fire, right? There's no, it, just like with the whole pedophile thing that's going around, it's like, well, why are some actors being accused of it and why, why aren't others? Mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's true or it's not, but it seems to be that there's some actors that just never come up in the news as far as being interested in children. Why is that? And why do some actors keep coming up in the news as being interested in the children? Why is that, right? So we have to ask those questions because... If we want to claim that we're awake and we're part of this new paradigm and we want to usher in this new paradigm, it means that we can't, we can't just keep accepting things at face value. So if we, even if we bring this down to something simple, like hiring a business coach, uh, and I'm using this as a metaphor for a reason, you know, we have a lot of people online that'll be like, Oh, I have a seven figure business. I have a seven figure business. Look at me. I've got a seven figure business. And some person that's wanting a seven figure business and has never had a coach. And this person is saying, I can teach you how to seven, have a seven figure business. They go, Oh my God, I'm going to hire that coach. She said she has a seven figure business and she can teach me how to do one for myself. So that must be true. Ah, right. They don't question anything about that. And then they get screwed. And then they go online telling everyone how this coach screwed them. Mm-hmm. And yes, that may be true. Right. And, and I don't like taking people's money unless I can be useful to them. And if someone's a, a literal startup, I would never tell them I can help them get to seven figures in a year. That's almost impossible, right? It really depends on the person. But for most people, that's impossible. So shame on that person for taking that person's money. But that person has to own it and go, okay, well, I didn't ask the right questions. That person's getting results in their business, but I shouldn't care about that. Are they getting results for other people's businesses? That's what I care about. I care about compound leadership. I want to know the results they're getting for their clients. I don't want to know the results they're getting for themselves, right? I want to know how long it took them to get to seven figures. And I want to know how much of that they get to keep. Mm-hmm. I know seven figure earners that literally spend $100,000 a month out of their savings because even though their business generates seven figures, they can't pay their team unless they dip into their savings because their overhead is 90%. What in the bloody hell, right? You don't have a seven-figure business. You have a very, very, very expensive hobby, right? So my point is, is that, you know, I'm using that as an example. I get that it's not, it's not even on the same scale, but the, the principles behind it are the same, which is that so many times in life, we don't ask the questions because we don't want to know the answer because then it has to change the story that we hold. And so we have to be willing to live in, and awareness and allow things to change, right? Rather than being stuck in absolutes and only willing, be willing to see the things that support the stories that keep us comfortable. So I'm sure people are wondering, so are you saying that as a collective, we're, we need to do this or like individually, all of us need to get something different out of this? I, well, I think that each of us, I think there's gifts, right? Like I've been asking the record keepers and this isn't divinely orchestrated. A few of my clients that have been with me for 15 years 
are master astrologers and this is built in. Mm -hmm. The fact that mind control was built in astrologically to this time of year. This was already quote unquote destined to happen. We didn't know how it was going to happen. And I'm not saying that we have to, that everything's predestined, but we do know that leaders around the world hire astrologers to help them make decisions in their business, in their, in their business, in their, um, with, with their country, right? So we know that Bush, for example, when he launched the Iraq war, he waited until there was um, conditions within astrology that would allow for the, the war to drag on forever with no resolution. If you go back astrologically, you'll see that in the chart. I'm not an astrologer, so I can't tell you exactly what those are, but I know mm -hmm. it's well documented and many astrologers will tell you that. And so is it any accident that a virus <laughs> was released during this time, right? When it was already astrologically sort of ripe for mm -hmm. some sort of thing that would allow for mind control and fear, because fear is such a great puppeteer, right? It, it's such a great source of control. We, when we look at anything in life and we look at the Stockholm syndrome and we look at different things, fear is just such a great, I'm not saying it is great, but I mean like for people that are... <laughs> <laughs> not of the light, right? It's a great tool for manipulation puppet and puppeting. So although it wasn't um, sent here by the gods, so to speak, right? There are a lot of spiritual lessons to be learned from this. And what I've seen, and I call it the solar feminine rising, when I first realized this was a thing, I had a visceral reaction. And my first reaction was those efforts, right? I was so mad, but on a primal, like, tiger energy. And I still have it now. My conviction of purpose, like it was exponentially stronger. Mm -hmm. I already thought I gave a lot of, you know, what's about people and my whole business has been dedicated to help. Like my level of caring about people and caring about humanity and caring about the planet, it just skyrocketed. I can't even tell you. And I still have this visceral tiger energy. I've heard people talk about this solar feminine energy where so many of us are feeling like, not my planet, not my body, not my people. You need to back off, right? There's this boundary setting thing, this loving mother energy, but it's also like a tiger energy, like back off and get away from my cubs, right? A lot of women are feeling that right now. I know men feel it too. So all of that to say that my conviction of purpose has gotten so strong. And for all of my clients and all of the new clients that are coming to me, because they want to get more clear on their purpose and that's what the records do, right? Everyone's feeling that. So it has been a wake up call and it has inspired people to finally get off the sidelines if they were on the sidelines to finally rise up and lead up, mm -hmm. right? It's not enough for us to just participate in the conversation. It's not enough for us to be a leader within the conversation. We need to lead the conversation. Mm -hmm. Whatever our expertise is, we need to lead that conversation, not from a place of ego, but from a place of service. So when I talk about financial resilience, right, I've dedicated my whole uh, business career to creating financial resilience for myself, not even realizing that that was going to be helpful for other people, mm -hmm. right? And so now I'm sharing all that wisdom with people because when my clients who have acupuncture clinics and massage clinics and all these kind of location-dependent places, right? They were already getting their businesses online, but they got slapped in the face financially overnight mm -hmm. when they all had to close down. And I'm like, guys, yes, I'm going to help you pivot. And yes, I'm going to help you make money, but we can't just live in reaction and panic and short-term solutions. We've got to create financial resilience for you because in another 10 to 12 years, 
we will have another financial dip. That will just be what happens because that is the pattern economically. There's different things that set us off, but it will happen. And you don't want to be beholden to, um, you know, you don't want to have to sacrifice yourself because you haven't buffered yourself from some of this stuff, right? So it's not about making people wrong. It's about empowering people and showing them options of how to do that. So to answer your question, I think there's a lot of spiritual gifts that have come from this. Like I go for a walk in the forest every day as a freaking criminal. It's literally illegal right now for me to walk in the forest. Wow. Nobody else is there. Nobody else is using these trails, but they've all been cautioned or, you know, whatever with, with police tape. And I take my dog there and I go hiking and it feels gross, but I need to do it because I need to be out in nature. I need to be in the trees. It's a stress reliever for me. And there's so many benefits to that. And that was already something I was doing. I'm not one of these people that sat at home and now all of a sudden that I'm in quarantine, I feel this, you know, perpetual need to go outside. I was always an outdoor person. But um, there's something that doesn't feel good about that. And so anyways, I'm out in the forest and that gives me real pause because nature has no ego to really see things. I'm like, holy crap, I have lived on this planet for this long thinking I was grateful, thinking I was appreciative of the small things and the big things in my life. I had no concept of what gratitude was until this moment. I really didn't. I had a very surface level gratitude, thinking it was deep. Oh, I'm the queen of gratitude. Look at me. I'm writing in my gratitude journal every day. No concept of the depth of gratitude I could have, right? And now I do. I am grateful that I get to go sneak and park in a sneaky place with my dog, potentially my husband sometimes and my son, and go and hike in this secluded forest, which feels weird. Even the energy in the forest feels weird. I think even the energy you know, even going grocery shopping, we used to take it for granted. My husband's like, I can't do that anymore. Now it's too apocalyptic. I can't even go grocery shopping. It's too stressful for me. So let's order our food now. I'm like, let's do it. Right. Massive appreciation for like people working in grocery stores, for example. Oh my God. Right. Completely underpaid. I think we're all getting that now. And I could go on and on. But anyways, that's one of the gifts. I think people have had a real calling to their purpose. And I think people have been called to, you know, like a lot of healers I talk to, it's not that they're suicidal. They just don't want to be here. They've never wanted to be here. When I talk to them about why their business isn't growing, they have one foot in and one foot out because they've never, like even from age two, for example, they remember just going, oh my God, I want to go home. I don't want to be here. Right. So a lot of people are sadly going to be checking out right now, right? Because this is just too much. Mm-hmm. my son told me the other day he goes I want to go home I'm like what are you talking about buddy he goes I don't want to be here anymore not suicidal he just mm-hmm. wants to go home this is too much it's too much energy for him to pick up yeah. I can't even imagine how much that broke my heart right to hear that and yet I have massive empathy for him and I have complete um what's the word I'm looking for like I can totally see why he would feel that way mm-hmm. so right? how do and you, then how other do you people are using to it to motivate well, I just ask questions because I can, I can tell him, oh, it's going to be okay. Can I? Can I tell him it's going to be okay? No, I can't. I don't like to lie to him. I don't like to tell him, make empty promises, right? Or make promises I can't keep. I tell him what I can tell him. I'm here for you. I love you. Your daddy loves you. Your fur sister loves you. <laughs> You've got a bed to sleep in. We're going to make sure you're fed, right? We've got the forest here, you know, and, um, so I tell him what I can tell him, but I, when it comes to that emotional stuff, I just ask him to tell me more. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, give me an example. He had a dream the other night that a bunch of adults came and took him and a bunch of other children and took him into this big white room and they were being mean and bossy and he was confused and he didn't know why he was in this room with these children. Knowing what I know about what's going on, <laughs> that is yeah. a real possibility, right? Yeah. In the field. I'm not saying it will happen, but it's a real possibility. Oh my God. Like, and he can tell me about other dreams. He tells me about dreams he has where, you know, I'll be like, hey, buddy, we're going to go to the mall today. He has a favorite mall he likes to go to. This was obviously before all of this. He's like, oh my God, I had a dream last night. You were going to take me to that mall, right? So some of the dreams are mundane and they come true. And, and he has other dreams about video games and stuff. And obviously that doesn't affect me. But this dream stood out to me and I was like, that does not feel good to hear that. I do not like hearing that dream. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, so. geez. Yeah, this is heavy. So you know, people are getting, waking up to their purpose, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. What, people who want to start a business right now, like what advice do you have for them? Is that a bad idea? Like, I feel like people no, are going to listen to this and feel idea. like, I feel like people are going to listen to this and feel like I'm doomed. Like, no, this is actually, so I'll tell you what's been coming through the records. They mm-hmm. keep, they've been telling me this since day one, which was about mid, March 12th, 13th, right? When we mm-hmm. really started to realize like, oh, this is a thing. We were strongly being encouraged to self-isolate. It was still optional at that point, right? But remember, all of a sudden it was like literally hour by hour, it started to change. It felt like, yeah. so we all had that, that whole weekend. We were all just like, what in the bloody hell is happening? So anyways, I, of course, instantly went into the records. I said, okay, guys, like, tell me what's going on. So they said, it's important to keep circulating money right mm-hmm. now. Best energy to focus on is creation energy, which means you have to minimize the fear because it's hard to see, hard to have a vision. It's hard to be creative. It's hard to be intuitive when fear is blocking your third eye. So we have to protect our two greatest assets right now, which is our third eye and our light body, right? Meaning our energy field. Keep it as clean as possible, which means don't be watching programming. You're being programmed when you watch Netflix. You're being programmed when you watch the news. It's literally called programming, right? And if you really listen to some of the messages that come through that stuff, it's programming. So uh, even listening to top 40 music, and I'm a big fan, and I can shake my booty like the best of them. And I'm also aware that the frequency, if you actually measure the hertz in that music, it it aligns with a fear frequency. So I've been listening to music on YouTube that'll be like releasing dopamine or releasing serotonin, right? It's literally designed to do that. So that's free. Go find that on YouTube. That'll just keep you clear. The Mozart effect, I'm wanting to listen to a lot of genius because I'm like, I'm going to download an invention that's going to change humanity. I'm going to use this time to open up my consciousness, to let in a genius idea, right? And bring it to life. So I better let in some genius frequency. So I listen to Mozart effect. I listen to Beethoven. I listen to other geniuses. There's a few people out there that we know are super smart, right? I'm reading biographies and listening to autobiographies about folks that we consider geniuses like Tesla, people like that, because I have to be extra protective of those two assets. And obviously all of us do, right? So I'm just telling you what I'm doing. Anyway, so the creation includes creating money creating businesses, right? This is historically any, this is not a recession, by the way, but this is a dip in the, in the economy. And, um, and so anytime there's a dip in the economy, it's the best time to either start a business or buy a business, right? Depending on where someone's at, there's going to be a lot of people that realize that online marketing is the way to go. Either, you know, create a, a Shopify store, get on Amazon and sell things, become an affiliate marketer, join an MLM, There's going to be a lot of very quick ways to kind of get a business in a box almost. 
but um, there's more than enough room for online businesses, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's also a lot of online businesses that won't survive because they were already not doing what they needed to do before all of this. Not because they were bad people. They just didn't really have the entrepreneurial spirit. So they were already not marketing and not communicating regularly with their community, not building their following, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, there's other businesses that'll be affected. What I've noticed, and my, my clients are noticing this too, is that for those of us that are actual leaders, and I don't mean like that's an egotistical thing. It's just that we kind of are natural leaders, right? You just are kind of, you just have that vibe. And so if we're already leaders, it was just in our nature to rise up and start saying, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. So there's a lot of people that were telling people they were leaders and constantly selling leadership. And all of a sudden this went down and where were they? Right. Mm-hmm. And you're smiling because you know what I'm talking about. It's not to judge anyone. I get that everyone's affected differently. Some people would have been hit hard just from a grief energy of this. It would have poked some old traumas and stuff. Right. But we can exist in the end. Also, we can be dealing with our own stuff and still helping other people. We can mm-hmm. be aware that there's BS going on in the world and still give people concrete solutions. Right. We can be in the and or instead of the or and also instead of the and or. And so People are watching, A, who's showing up, and then the leaders that said they were leaders and were happy to take your money saying, hey, I'm a leader, let me show you the way. Where are those people right now, right? Mm -hmm. People are even more aware of where those people are, and I'm hearing constantly people say to me, I tune those people out, right? So there's a lot going on, but my point for sharing that piece is that those people are going to have a hard time recalibrating after this because they've disappointed their communities, right? Mm -hmm. And... um, and so there, there will be a lot of room for new online businesses. So this really is the perfect time. It's still the time to invest in the stock market. It's just about understanding what stocks are making sense right now and what stocks aren't. It's still important to look at how to diversify our income, regardless of whether we have a job or a business, right? It's not enough to just have a one hit wonder flagship program in a business. Like we've got to look at other ways we can generate income that are not dependent on us actually seeing people, mm-hmm. things that are on autopilot things like affiliate marketing, things like that, right? So I could go on and on. There's all kinds of solutions, but uh, people are listening right now. And that what's troubling you in the world, really the best way to solve people's problems is to have your own business because then you get to dictate how you help people and how many people you help. If your employer's got way too many policies and guidelines and restrictions and they you know, limit your ability to do your job, right? Then you're still going to feel like you're not doing enough. Yeah. I mean, I'm in total agreement. I'm in total agreement. And I'm <laughs> curious how you respond to this. Cause this is what, when I've been talking about this, people say they're like, well, yeah, great idea to start a business, but like, I don't have the money to, and who's going to buy it from me. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of people are because right now people are desperate and I don't mean that they're desperate. People are, they're needy. What I mean is people are just there's all kinds of things we can sell right now. We can teach people a skill. Mm-hmm. We can teach people, um, you know, we can solve a problem. We can, we can ha- hold space for people, right? A lot of people are needing either spiritual guidance right now. They're feeling disconnected. They're feeling like what in the actual world is going on and where is the universe and does it really have my back? There's a lot of mental health stuff going on right now. Um, and, you know, there's a lot, first of all, there's a lot of platforms that, that require no money. You can create a YouTube channel and start uploading yourself doing Pilates. I'm just mm-hmm. making this up, right? And research online for free, how do you boost your YouTube channel and start boosting your YouTube channel? That's just one example. 
and then figure out how to invite people to pay you to get more videos from you that are not listed on YouTube, right? That's Mm -hmm. again, an example. None of that, that's all time, right? You're going to either spend money or you're going to spend time building your business. I'm a big believer and this is what I did in spending your time until you can no longer spend your time because you're too busy. Um, I know women that have created seven figure businesses off of just having a Facebook account and using their Facebook page and their personal profile as their website. They still have no website to this day and they make seven figures Mm -hmm. and they private message everyone who says they're interested in something. They have a Facebook group and they're selling coaching around money mindset and they're selling coaching around how to run a business. And they literally don't spend a single dime. And in fact, one woman I know who's been at seven figures for three years, didn't hire her first assistant assistant until just now, Mm. just this year, right? So it is possible. I think that if you don't know what to do, watch some people that you admire and study. What are they doing that I like? What are they doing that I'd probably do differently? And that's going to start to shape your business model. It's going to start to shape what you should offer. And, um, you know, just letting people know you're there and, and you can let it be fun and just split test things, right? Oh, I started offering fitness. Nobody seemed to grab at that. Maybe I'll offer this thing, right? And, and just see, like, you kind of have nothing to lose when you're just spending your time trying to build something. MLMs are great. Like I'm not a part of an MLM, but I coach a lot. It is business in a box. There's a whole way I would coach people around what MLM to get involved in and what not to, simply because I've coached so many people. But there are certain companies that are decent to get involved in. Affiliate marketing is super easy. Build your social media following. Share someone's el- someone else's assets, meaning their physical product or their digital product. Get a commission. If you sell someone's program for $5,000 and they give you a $500 commission, mm-hmm. sell 10 of those in a month, that's $5,000 for you just doing something you're already doing, which is posting on social media. Like mm-hmm. how simple is that? So your, your business is selling other people's stuff and focusing on building, building your followers and creating engagement with your followers. Pretty easy, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I could go on and on, but yeah, <laughs> it's, so, it's not as hard as people think. <laughs> well, I think it is hard for certain people though, if there's not like, if there's an energetic block, like what, what differentiates yeah. the person who can make a seven figure business on Facebook versus somebody else who tries and can't get any traction? That's a great question. In the beginning of my business, I was in a fear cycle and mm-hmm. I was in a fear cycle for about two months. I kept promising myself I was going to go to networking events. I didn't go. I always had an excuse at the last minute. I was afraid I wouldn't know what to say. I was afraid I wouldn't be the most qualified person in the room or that I'd look stupid or whatever I was afraid of, right? And then one day I woke up, and this is important to listen to. (laughs) One day I woke up and I did the same thing I'd done for two months. I went down to my office. I checked my inbox. Oh my God, I've got inbox. Oh, it's spam, right? Still no client store dropping people off at my doorstep because I was doing absolutely nothing other than a few business cards in a health food store to market my business. Mm -hmm wasn't doing speaking gigs. I wasn't doing anything. So I finally just started laughing at myself. I was like, this is ridiculous. Fear is not getting me anywhere. It's actually costing me money. I'm going to have to go and get a job if I keep this up. So if fear is not working, what if I just decided to turn this into an adventure and literally be in a place of curiosity all day, every day? I wonder what will happen if I knock on this door. I wonder what will happen if I go to this meeting. I just had no attachment to anything other than curiosity. I wonder who I'll meet at networking events. Well, guess what? I got a boatload of clients from the actual people in networking events, which is usually unheard of because I was so unattached and I genuinely just wanted to meet people and learn about them. 
that because I didn't have an agenda, they wanted to come to me for spiritual guidance. They just liked how they felt in my presence, right? Then I started just speaking everywhere. Well, as soon as you speak everywhere, people see you as an expert, even if you're not. They don't know that you're not an expert. I mean, you obviously are because you're speaking about a topic that you can speak about, but they don't know you as your insecure self. They only know you as the version of yourself that you're presenting, which is as the expert. So they just believe you're an expert, right? And people hire experts. They don't want to hire novices. They want to hire experts. So the quickest way really to establish yourself as a leader and get traction in your business is to right now, I get that it has to be on YouTube and Facebook Live and Instagram TV and all that stuff, right? Because there's no physical platforms. But when there is physical platforms, we need to do that as well. Anyway, so I just stayed in an energy of curiosity and my five-year goals manifested in three months because I just constantly knocked on doors. I, I contacted big, huge places like Hey House. Hey, can I come and speak on your stage? And they nicely were like, well, we're going to need you to do, you know, but I knocked on the door, right? It didn't open. No worries. That's actually a gift. Then I'm not going to keep spending time trying to open a door that was never going to open. So then I started learning how to follow doors that would open. And then before I knew it, my biggest problem was that I had too many opportunities. And now I hired, had to start saying no to things, which felt really weird, right? When I had literally been in pursuit of getting constant yeses, and now I had to start saying no's, right? But um, the mindset, so the meta level is you have to choose, business can be anything. It can be a struggle. It can be a hardship. It can be a burden. It can be whatever we choose it to be. It can be a joy. It can be a plate. It can be a playground. It can be whatever energy we choose to infuse in it. So we first have to decide how we want to experience our business and how we want our business to experience us since it has its own consciousness. Mm-hmm. And then we need to um, just literally have fun, especially for the first year. What works and what doesn't? Because you're always going to make mistakes in business. You, mm-hmm. you have to have a certain level of risk tolerance in order to have a business because not everything is going to go as planned. A launch is going to flop that you thought was going to be a huge winner. A client that you thought was going to be your big ticket all of a sudden bails at the last minute, your team member quits and leaves you high and dry or steals your intellectual property or you know, a colleague that you trusted passed off your program as their own and you see your own Facebook ad company copy with someone else's name on it. I'm not saying this stuff happens all the time, but I hear this stuff and of course I've had things happen too. So we have to be willing to be in this as a marathon rather than a sprint. It's a journey, it's not a destination. So if you're going to be in a lifetime partnership with your business and essentially be married to it, right? Like you're literally wanting it to provide for you for life, then you ha- it's not about only showing up when things are going well or only showing up for it when it's fun or when it's convenient. It's a lifetime partnership. There's times where it's not always going to be, you know, roses and butterflies, but you know that overall it's the thing that is creating the life that you want to create. Amen to that. (laughs) Very true. Okay. So I have one more question for you because this is like the most common question that they want to know. So if someone feels like I'm not intuitive and I want to be, how do they start tapping into their intuition and getting messages? You know, there's so many different answers. I would say being in nature where there is no ego and there's only neutrality actually allows us to see things and have awarenesses that are harder to see when we've got distractions going on. Uh, we can, you know, there's certain, I just like to look at efficient things, right? So there's certain essential oils people might want to take, right? Like something like frankincense, for example, or myrrh, 
is really great at opening up your third eye, right? People would have to believe in that in order for that to work. Obviously, if you think that's a bunch of nonsense, it won't. There's certain crystals that are going to enhance that and you can actually just have fun researching online. There's actually going to be a lot of free meditations, guided meditations that you can find on YouTube or other, you know, and I'm not saying everything needs to be free. Go ahead and pay people. But like, if you're just wanting to get started, right, go and find something on YouTube and, and participate in some guided meditations and be willing to commit to it for a good week or two, right? And not just try it once and be like, well, that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, Oracle decks can be really helpful for people just to validate what our intuition already knows. I would say find an intuitive buddy, right? Someone that you can share intuitive hits with and journal about them, right? Like write them down and see how it comes to fruition because you're usually going to forget those things. And just journal in general because you're going to see what questions do I keep asking that aren't answering themselves. And that tells you, oh, this question is important to me. I really do want this outcome, but I'm obviously not asking the right question. So how can I word this question differently? Get the answer that I want to get, right? That gives me clarity. And then, um, like I said, be mindful of protecting your third eye. Give some examples of how to do that so that you can be a clear channel. And then, of course, everything starts with a decision. So if you decide you want to cultivate that muscle, instead of just saying, I want to, when you decide you're going to, then things tend to line up to support those decisions. Love it. You're all about the questions. So (laughs) tell me, what's a question you're asking yourself right now that you've been focusing on recently? Oh, well, the question I have every day is, uh, how can I allow the universe to surprise and delight me? Mm-hmm. How can I be more expansive in my purpose today? How can I be a greater contribution to others? And how can I allow my business to be a contribution to me? And those are not questions I even try to answer because when we live in the question, right, when we put questions out there, then the uni- our brain can't see those answers. If we could, we'd already be doing it, right? So it's almost just an active surrender. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, every day, especially what's going on in the world right now, how can I elevate my leadership and how can I activate compound leadership? Meaning how can I really activate leadership in other people so that they can activate leadership in other people and so on and so on? Because it's just so important right now, right? We need a lot of brave and courageous people to take a stand and make sure that as we usher in this kind of final stretch of the new paradigm, that we leave in a world that we want to live in, but more importantly, that we feel proud leaving to our children and our grandchildren and so on. Love it. Thank you. I'm sure people will find that very helpful. I love those questions and I'm sure people are going to want to connect with you further. So before you go, can you just tell my audience where they can find more from you? Absolutely. So on Instagram, I am there, but my team manages that because I don't even know how to log into Instagram, but they will send me your messages. If you send me messages on there, I spend a lot of time on Facebook. I have a group called the Purpose Posse, which is for spiritual entrepreneurs. So it's a great little tribe there. And then I also have a freebie for people, which actually helps you get more clear on your purpose and helps you understand the records more. So it's souljourneys.ca forward slash soul. So souljourneys.ca forward slash soul. It's a free gift. It's, I've had it for years. I've had like literally tens of thousands of people download it. We get a lot of comments on that because it, it really helps people, right? That's my, my goal in life. So that's a good way to obviously stay connected because then you start getting really fun emails from me and finally inspired emails. So (laughs) awesome. Perfect. Well, I will put all that information in the show notes so everyone can, can check that out. And thank you again. I had so much fun chatting with you. Thank you. I had so much fun too. Huge thank you to Jennifer for coming on the podcast. 
If you want to connect with her further, which I am sure you do, then just head on over to souljourneys.ca. And you can also find her on Instagram at Jennifer Longmore. Don't forget if you want exclusive behind the scenes access to content related to the podcast and my life, then you definitely want to be following my secret Instagram account, Wellness Realness Crew. If you're not already on that Instagram account, all you have to do is DM a screenshot of your iTunes rating and review to that account request to follow. And when I get a DM with that screenshot, then I will approve and you have access to the secret page. You can also connect further with other listeners by heading to our Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. I would love to have you in the group. That's going to be it for today's show. Thank you again so much for tuning in. Hope you have an amazing rest of your day and I'll chat with you again next time. Bye.